Well, hello, everyone. Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. Glad you're with us today. New Hope Radio. All right. Going into 2021. Come on. Are you kidding me? Isn't, it, isn't this like Star Date? Isn't it like Star Trek? Star Date 2021. <laughs> I think we're there. We've arrived. Thank you for joining me today. And uh, got a good topic on hand. Hope you enjoy it. We're going to talk about the Lord Jesus. And how a couple of things about the Lord we're going to see today. Number one, he knows exactly what he's doing. Did you know that? Do you ever wonder if the Lord knows what he's doing? Don't you worry, he does. And number two, we're going to take a look at eight things that he wants you to know about him. I don't know if we'll get through all of them today. Might have part two tomorrow. But these are eight important things that Jesus wants us to know about him. So thank you for joining me today on the radio, on Facebook, newhopecc.tv, and uh, join the chat as well. Love to hear from you. We're actually going through the Gospel of John a chapter at a time, and we've arrived at John chapter 6. And as we arrive at John chapter 6, we find Jesus in the midst of a large crowd, They're following him. Everywhere he went, they followed him. Why not? He's a good man. He did good things and he said good things. People wanted to be around him. So let's pick it up in John chapter 6, verse 1, as our Facebook crowd gets on board. Chuck is checking in from sunny Florida. I hope it's sunny down there, Chuck. Not too sunny up here. After these things, what things? Well, Jesus just left the pool of Bethesda. Remember that? Where he healed that man said, take up your bed and walk. God's there for a long time. And then Jesus went away to the other side of the Sea of Galilee. A large crowd followed him. Why? Because they saw the signs which he was performing on those who were sick. People are following Jesus because, like I said, oh, he's a good man. And he was doing good things. And people wanted to be part of that. Let me ask you, do you want to be part of what Jesus is doing? I would hope so, because he's doing good stuff. Even today, he does good things in the world. And he does it through his people. Doreen's on board. She said, happy and safe new year to everyone. Now, the crowd, the Bible tells us where the crowd came from. And uh, where was it that they came from? Galilee. Now, the Passover, which was the feast of the Jews, was near. And what does John tell us that? He tells us because he wants us to understand timing. As you go deeper into the scriptures, these things mean something. So you get this big crowd of people. They've been with Jesus for a while. And he said to Philip, we got to feed these people. Philip said, well, they don't have any money. We don't have any money. We can't, like, send out. We can't get them take out. Can't do it. We don't have enough to feed these people. I'm sure Jesus knew that they didn't have enough money to feed those people. So why did he ask that of Philip? 
Why? This is why verse 6. He was saying this to (laughs) test him. For he himself knew what he was intending to do. You know, sometimes Jesus wants us to see where we are with him. Where are we in our faith? Where are you in your faith? Where am I in my faith? Sometimes circumstances dictate to us, and we have to look at our heart and see where we really are with our faith. The Apostle Paul, he used this very same principle. The word test means to examine. Paul used the same word in his letter to the Corinthians. He said, test yourselves to see if you're in the faith. Examine yourselves. You know, this is something that we need to do as believers on a regular basis. Hmm. Why do I need to examine myself? Well, Paul said, to see if you're in the faith. In other words, are you living by the faith that you claim to have? It's one thing to claim to have faith, right? It's another thing to live by that faith. It's one thing to say, yeah, I believe the Bible. It's another thing to live by what the Bible says. People can say, I believe every word of the Bible. It's inspired by God. (laughs) It's another thing to live that way. How are we doing living with the scriptures? Examine yourself and see if you're in the faith. So Andrew, Peter's brother, he found a little guy, a kid, a boy. He had five loaves of barley bread and two fish. Now, (laughs) talk about being optimistic, right? Here's a little kid, five little dinner rolls and two little sardines. Talk about being optimistic with a multitude of people. Doreen said, Examining myself can be awfully hard at times. You know what? That's the humility part of the Christian life. The humility part. See, when we examine ourselves, we can't go wrong. You know why? Because if you see that you're doing well, that's good. And if you see that, well, maybe I'm not doing that well, I can make adjustments. It's a win-win situation when you examine yourself. Raina is on board. Welcome, Raina. Thank you for joining us today here on New Hope Radio. We'll be talking about Raina in the future. Got some good things going on here in Swansea. I help her out. So, you know, it seems like Philip is pretty optimistic with this kid. Five little dinner rolls and a couple of sardines. He had barley bread. Barley bread was the bread of the poor. And I'm, for, I'm sure the fish was small because it was a little boy's lunch. You know, he did not have two barracuda or two tuna. They were probably little tiny sardines. Hey, Handyman Pete's checking in from Alabama. IA. Welcome, Handyman Pete. He said, we need Jesus to walk, to walk this land again. <laughs> we do. Couldn't have. I couldn't think of a better way to say it. Yes, we wish the Lord would walk. The, you know what they would do? They'd put him in jail. That's what they would do. They'd put him in jail. They'd crucify him all over again. But we have Jesus walking this land. You know where? In his people. 
Yanny Man Pete, that's you. And me, and Raina, and Chuck, and Doreen, and everybody else. We are the body of Christ. And we're walking this earth on his behalf. So this little guy, he's got a very small lunch, just enough for him. And when people carried fish in those days, sometimes they would pickle it or salt it. Or they would put it in a sauce for preservation. And Jesus told the disciples, okay, I got this little boy's lunch. He was generous enough to provide it for us. So Jesus told the disciples, I want you to have all the people sit down, sit down in rows. In other words, this is going to be an orderly thing. They sat down in rows by a hundred and by fifty. <clears throat> Chuck said, Jesus is coming. Oh, he is coming. <clears throat> He's coming soon. Then you know what Jesus did? I love this. He took the loaves. He gave thanks to God. I'm like, what? He only had a little, but he thanked God for what he had. He only had a little, but he thanked God for what he had. And then it's like he took the role of the father of the house. He held up the food and he gave thanks. See, that's what the father of the house is supposed to do. Give thanks for the provision. And then they distributed to those who were seated. And you know what? It was incredible. Everybody got <laughs> as much as they wanted. Are you kidding me? Five little dinner rolls and two little sardines. And everybody got as much as they wanted. You know why? A little bit in the hands of Jesus goes a long way. Wow. Think about your life in the hands of Jesus. It'll go a long way. And then when it was over, <laughs> you're not going to believe this part. They just fed 5,000 people with five little rolls and two little fish, right? Jesus told the disciples, I want you to gather up the leftovers. There was leftovers. And you know how much was left? Twelve baskets. A basket for each disciple. Wow. A basket for each disciple. Now, you see, in those days, people carried baskets because they had stuff to put in them. Kind of like the ladies today. Ladies have their own modern-day baskets. They're called handbags. And they come in all shapes and styles, and some are little and some are big. I'm like, some of the ladies, I don't know how you don't throw your back out carrying that big thing around all day. Like, what do you, do you need all that stuff? Some of you carry around, it looks like a beach bag. It's just full of stuff. I mean, how is it that guys have a little container called a wallet, they put it in their back pocket? That's all they need. But the ladies, you get to carry around this bag and you throw it over your shoulder and it's deep. And it's, I mean, I don't know if you get extra shoes in there, if you got the jack for your car, a spare tire for your car. I don't know what's in there. Man, you guys have a lot of stuff. So, I don't know. So Jesus sent the disciples, after they gathered up all the leftovers, he sent them to the other side of the lake, and he said, I'll meet you there. Huh. And when the crowd saw that they were gone, they followed them to the other side. And when they found him on the other side of the sea, they said to Jesus, Rabbi, when did you get here? Like, wait a minute. 
The disciples got in the boat and they left. You went the other way. And we ran around the lake and now, how'd you get here so quick? (laughs) You know what I like about Jesus? He doesn't always ask the questions that we, he doesn't always answer the questions that we ask, but he gives us the answer that we need. They said, how did you get here? He said, truly, truly, I say to you, you seek me, not because you saw the signs, but because you ate of the loaves and were filled. They didn't even ask that. But that was the answer. He said, do not work for the food which perishes, but for the food which endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. For on him, the Father, God, has set his seal. See, Jesus wanted them to follow him, not because he fed their bellies, but because he could feed their souls. And maybe that's a problem we have today. That people go after Jesus because of what he can give them for their body rather than what he can fill them with for their soul. So I asked the question, why did Jesus feed the multitude? To have them follow him again and become hungry again? See, whenever you eat a meal, you get hungry later. You get hungry three hours later, four hours later. Unless you eat Chinese food, then you get hungry a half hour later. Right? But I can think of two reasons why Jesus um, I can think of two reasons. What was that? What was I saying? Why they followed Jesus. Number one, he wanted them to follow him because he knew men's hearts. He knew there are some people that are following me for what they can get. He knew that. And he also knew that he has something important to say. So in this instance, Jesus used food to get their attention. He fed them. And maybe he's thinking, you know what? If I can feed them with a miracle, maybe they'll listen to the words that I have to say and take them to heart. I want them to continue to follow me, not because of the miracles, but I want them to continue to follow me because of what I have to say. Because what I have to say, oh, here it comes. What I have to say is more important than what I have to give. Think about that. What I have to tell them for their soul, is more important than what I have to give them for their body. So I'm going to give you eight things that Jesus wanted them to know about him. You might want to write these down because these are important. Number one, he wanted them to know his origin. In verse 35, Jesus said to them, I'm the bread of life. He who comes to me will not hunger, and he who believes in me will never thirst. He wanted them to know that. Secondly, 
they needed to know why he came. He said, I've come down from heaven, not to do my will, but my Father's will. That's why I came, to do my Father's will. Doreen said, Jesus' words feed us for our eternal life. They do. They carry us through this life and they bring us into the life to come. Thirdly, they needed to know his mission. Jesus wanted them to know, you know what? What's the purpose of me being here? He said, this is the will of God who sent me. That all that he's given me, I lose nothing. But raise it up on the last day. That was the will of the Father. That everybody that he gave to Jesus would not be lost. But that they would be raised up. Now we know the only one that was lost was Judas. Because Judas had his own mission. He was a son of perdition. Judas never got it. The Bible even says he went to his own place, a place that was reserved for him because he betrayed the Lord. The fourth thing Jesus wants us to know about him, they wanted to know, they needed to know what was the Father's will? The Father's will for them. How many people know God the Father's will for their life? How many? Jesus said in verse 39, this is the will of my Father. Here it is. Everyone who beholds the Son. In other words, everybody who sees Jesus and believes in him will have eternal life. Wow. I, you know what I say? Praise God. I'm like, praise God. This is God's will for us. To see his Son and believe in him. So we could have eternal life and live with God forever. That's God's will. Didn't Peter say that God is not willing that any should perish? None. It's not his will. God's not tiptoeing through the tulips, picking this flower and rejecting that flower. He wants them all. He wants everyone. See, that's the heart of God. He wants every single person to be with him. Andy Man Pete said, yes, we walk this land like Jesus. But we cannot afford the rich crowd. We will be beaten down. You know what? Friendship with the world is enmity with God. We walk this land, but we're not accepted by it. And that's okay. That's okay. Don't expect to be received by the cosmic system. It's anti-God. But we still stand strong and walk straight. You know why? That people can see Christ in us, and they will believe. And as Jesus said, I myself will raise him up on the last day. Jesus is the resurrector. <laughs> he's the one he's going to raise us up I just learned that right now huh, I never thought about that who's going to raise me up Jesus he's going to raise me up on the last day wow the fifth thing he wants us to know is his relationship with the father 
He wants people to know how Jesus and the Father are related to one another. Here's what he said. And he said this in John chapter 6, verse 46. Not that anyone has seen the Father except the one who's from God. He has seen the Father. And what's Jesus saying? I've been there. I've been there. I've been with God. You see, and you know why? I'm from eternity past. No, I am not. I am God. I'm deity. I am not what the Jehovah's Witnesses say about me. I am not what the Mormons say about me. I am not what the Muslims say about me. They don't give me credit of being divine. I am divine. I've seen God. I've from eternity past. I'm not a created being. I am the creator. <laughs> Jesus is the creator. He's not created. He's the creator. He made everything. Everything is to him, through him, for him, and by him. It's all about him. Jesus wants us to know that he's from eternity past. And he's equal to God the Father. Number six. We need to know how to attain eternal life. You know why? You know why eternal life is so important? Because everybody's going to live somewhere forever. See, a lot of people in the world don't believe that. Or they don't think about it. But they're going to live forever. The question is not, will I live forever? The question is, oh, where? Where will I live forever? Jesus said in verse 47, Truly, truly, I say to you, he who believes in me has eternal life. And the eternal life that he's speaking about is life with God. That's what he's talking about. Life with God. You believe in Christ and you live with God forever. But if you reject Christ, you live forever. Alienated from God. That's no good. That's not good for anybody. You don't want that? No. Jesus wanted them to know that he was true food for the soul. True food. I am the living bread that came down out of heaven. This is origin again. Where you come from, Jesus? Heaven. No, you came from Nazareth. No, yeah, but before that, I came from heaven. Weren't you born in Bethlehem? Yeah, but before that, I was in heaven. I'm the living bread that came down out of heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread which I give for the life of the world is my flesh. What's Jesus saying? I'm coming to die for the sins of the world. And those that embrace me. And those that accept me. They're going to live forever with God. That's the key. The key is at some point in your life before you die, you get to embrace Christ. And the sooner the better. The sooner the better. And here he's talking about his sacrifice. His sacrifice on the cross where he shed what Peter calls his precious blood. Oh, it's precious blood. The redemption price of our sins. And then lastly, they needed to know the depth of commitment required by Christ. Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, 
Unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in yourselves. He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life. I'll raise him up on the last day. My my flesh is true food, and my blood is true drink. He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me, and I in him. Now, this statement is very troubling for the Jews, because it sounds like they have to eat flesh and drink blood. He's not saying that. He's not saying that at all. What he's saying is, my flesh and my blood, I'm offering it to you. Will you accept it? Will you receive it? This is true food for your soul. It's not to be taken literally. Right? It's like eating a book. Say, someone says, did you like that book? Oh, I ate it up. Well, you didn't eat it up literally, but you read it and you liked it. So what he's saying is, I offer you something. I offer you something that will give you forgiveness of sins and everlasting life with God. That's what I'm offering you. Will you accept it? And will you be committed to it? You know, to eat flesh and drink blood was a a slogan of commitment. I'm committed to you. I'll be loyal to you. I'll be faithful. Jesus isn't looking for easy beliefism. Like, he's looking for commitment. You know why? Because every relationship that's going to blossom requires commitment, right? A good marriage requires commitment. A strong friendship requires commitment. You want to go far in the company you work for? It requires commitment. You want a nice garden? It requires commitment. You want good health? Commitment. See, whatever we want that's good requires commitment. And Jesus is saying, how about your relationship with me? You want a good relationship with me? Commitment. I mean, Jesus was committed to the Father, right? Of course he was. How'd that work out? That worked out pretty good. And our commitment to Christ. Our lives will work out pretty good as well. Next time we're going to talk about living water. What's living water? Oh, it's the water that gives life. Join me tomorrow for New Hope Radio. I'm going to make an announcement this week as well about some changes that we're going to be making here in social media. So uh, stay tuned for that as well. Thank you for coming along. I'll see you tomorrow for more of New Hope Radio.